Hello and welcome to Trigonometry. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantin Kisson. And this is a show for you if you're bored of people arguing on the internet over subjects they know nothing about. At Trigonometry, we don't pretend to be the experts, we ask the experts. Our fantastic guest this week for the first returning episode of season two of Trigonometry is a returning guest. He's a comedian, he was a co-writer for Jonathan Pye. Andrew Doyle, welcome to Trigonometry. Hello. It's so good to have you back, man. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's fun. And you've changed the design since I was here before. Yeah, we've reworked the studio. We're yeah. very excited about it. It's good. It's very sexy. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Due to off-camera issues. But <laughs> right. Oh, right. Okay, fine. Right. So um, normally what we do when we start off our chats with guests is we ask them a little bit about them, you know, where they're from, all the rest of it. Uh-huh. Uh, but we, we've chatted to you before, so our guests will know. Um, and uh, things seem to be brewing in the comedy world at the moment. Most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Would you just explain to our viewers who might not be aware of everything that's going on, uh, what's happening. Yeah, well, I run a a comedy night called Comedy Unleashed, which is uh, once a month in Bethnal Green at the Backyard Comedy Club. Um, Let's get the plug-in right at the top. Yeah, sorry, I thought that, well, I'm cynic, that's what I'm here for. Um, (laughs) And we run this night, and the whole point of the night is, is we felt that on the comedy circuit at the moment, there's a kind of uh, homogenous quality about the, the, the politics that you'll get in a particular comedy night. So, you know, if you go along to a standard comedy night, there's not going to be many sort of pro-Brexit comedians. There's not going to be many sort of right-wing comedians. And we were interested to set up a night where you can have all sorts of people. So we have lots of left-wing, lots of right-wing, pro-Brexit, anti-Brexit, all the rest. We try and really get a... We, we make a, a, um, a real effort uh, to get a breadth. And, we, and the same goes for the audience that we're sort of cultivating. There's a real breadth of, of opinion there. Uh, which is really refreshing, I think. But also we encourage, we say it's a free speech night, and what we really mean by that is that we're encouraging comics not to self-censor, right? Um, but I don't think it is true that comics are being censored as such. I think what's happening is, culturally, we're creating a situation where comics feel they can't talk about certain issues for fear of their career, right? They, they want to get on TV, they want to they win the awards, and if, we're, and if we're in this new woke culture, they won't get that far if... if um, if they talk about the wrong issues. So we're saying, don't worry about that this night. Come along, say whatever you want, experiment. Maybe you'll get it wrong, uh, but just go for it. And that's our, that's our point. So what we but of course, by setting up this night, we've been accused of being a right-wing night, okay? So um, we had an article in the Sunday Telegraph came out as soon as we announced the night. And it said, thank God there's a right-wing comedy night. And it's run by <laughs> me and Andy Shaw, two lefties, right? But somehow we've, and most of our acts have been left-wing simply because most comics are left-wing, right? So we've, but we, we are trying our best to sort of broaden it out. But it's fascinating to me that once you say the word free speech, you're branded as being on the right. It's, it's a bizarre and awful situation. And I think it says a lot about the left. The left have, not only have the left failed to defend free speech of late, in the past, say, 10 years or so, but they've actually been actively hostile to it. And that means that the only people you get defending free speech are these right-wing reactionaries, some, some awful people, uh, and some good people on the right as well, I should say. But there are some poisonous people as well who, de- who defend it, probably for the wrong reasons, because actually people on the far right aren't pro-free speech at all, and they can use this disingenuously to advance their agenda. And that's a problem. So then when you stand up, like people like me, when I say everyone should have the right to say anything and the state should have absolutely no business in interfering with what you say or what you think, I'm branded a fascist. With, there's a, a fundamental incoherence to that, isn't there? Because what I'm saying is the opposite of fascism. Um, so what are you going to do? Uh, so that's what's happening in the comedy world at the moment. I think. You described woke culture. Now, there's, yeah. there's one word that pisses me off. It's the term woke. 
fucking annoying, isn't it? It's just uh, horrendous. And also, up until recently, you wouldn't be able to use it without being ironic. You know, it was it was a word that like a couple of years ago when you said woke, it was, it was like a joke word, wasn't it? It was it was it was it's actually quite an old word. It goes back many decades, but um, uh, but these days the way it's used at the moment is this sort of right on culture, this sort of uh, trendy uh, uh, you social know, say, justice, yeah, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, the problem is now people are using it unironically, mm. and that really upsets me. The um, the other thing that's happening in comedy, I think, at the moment uh, is. There is an attempt by the establishment to embrace woke culture. Um, woke culture is the establishment. So we have to be really clear about this. So um, we can say, yes, we've got a right wing government. You know, we, uh, America's got a right wing uh, president. OK, so the right are in control. Well, actually, no, because in terms of culture, culturally, uh, it's actually the woke and they're not really leftists, but let's call them woke left, center leftists, whatever you want to call them, identitarian leftists. Right. They have the clout culturally because it infects everything they're in the conservative party even you know the conservative party has woke ideas right um labor as well labor who, who you know they'll charge an extra 10 well, pounds hold on. just for anyone who's watching this and they're going wait conservative woke, like give us an example of a, of a woke idea that the conservatives have embraced. Uh, the gender recognition act for instance mm -hmm. the idea that you can you can uh, choose your own gender just by making the statement uh and and they they push that through okay that's that's a woke that's a woke idea. It was, it, was, it, was, it was the conservatives that pushed through gay marriage, for goodness sake. You know, the, 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 they don't have traditionally conservative views when it comes to social policy. So I'm saying that these ideas, and also you've got to remember that if this is, we are now living in the culture where people will dig up your old tweets and find things that you've said that might have offended someone, and they will uh, threaten your livelihood for it, and they will harass you online for it, and they'll make sure that you, you can't function in society anymore. Uh, both the conservatives and Labour are essentially anti-free speech now. They're both pro-hate speech legislation. They want to be able to curb what people say. They want to be able to arrest people. And they're doing nothing about the fact that uh, hate speech, as currently defined, is based on perception. So if you perceive that someone has offended you, if you and if you perceive that you think that person was motivated by prejudice, then they've committed a hate crime, right? So this is not a liberal position to hold. This is a woke position to hold. And it's there in, in all of the major political forces. So actually, this is where the power lies. Right? This, this is establishment. So when we, we talk all the time in comedy about punching up and punching down. Right? And I, I always, in my comedy, I always, punch, I always punch up. right? Because I think satirically it's more interesting to have a go at the people in power. So when I'm having a go at woke culture, which I do all the time, people say, yeah, you're punching down, aren't you? You're attacking vulnerable people. No, I'm punching up. Very much punching up. I'm punching up because I'm attacking the people who will, who will uh, destroy your life if you say the wrong thing. I'm, I'm punching up at the authoritarians who want to uh, uh, police your speech, who want to, uh, to dictate what, when you can say things and, and how you can say things and what you can think. And if you need evidence that this is, this is um, not a major movement within the comedy establishment, let's take um, the last Edinburgh Fringe Festival last year, which was opened with a speech by Nika Burns, who is the head of the, um, the Comedy Awards, where she said she was looking forward to the new woke uh, future of comedy uh, she was looking forward to the new young comics setting the parameters of what is acceptable and unacceptable, right? That's where, and that's, that's the establishment. Let's that's talk where about that. The awards are going to go to woke. I have been for the last few years, by the way. I've been going to woke. Sure. It's well, not, Hannah Gadsby and all the rest It's of it. not about. Can I just say, I'm really woke. That means <laughs> yeah, I yeah, get yeah, an yeah. award. <laughs> I will do whatever it is. It's it not going to help you. You're a straight white man. So no, it's, yeah, I don't. I don't identify. It's not about. It's not about. <laughs> it's not about 
It's about politics now. I mean, it's the yeah. way that, they say, someone like Brian Logan at The Guardian, who just reviews on the basis of his politics, how much he, uh, he agrees or disagrees, you know? That, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's not really qualified to be a comedy critic, I'm afraid. Well, let's unpack a little bit of what you're talking about, because I, I hear everything you're saying. I personally agree with everything that you said. I remember hearing you talk about this woke... Uh, comedy being promoted by the the, the Edinburgh Fringe, yeah. which is the biggest arts festival in the world, if you don't know. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. And then when the case happened with me, which went viral recently, mm -hmm. I was actually attacked by a few of these woke comics online. And I went, and I, be, yeah. and, I went and I read this the letter, the speech. Yeah. It was fucking horrifying. It's incredible, isn't it? Because also... Um, she made the comparison with the alternative comedy movement of the 80s. Yeah. Right. Now, this is such a massive misunderstanding. The alternative comedy movement was uh, pushing against the establishment. You had people who were overtly racist mm. and homophobic and all the rest. And, and it wasn't. And, and they were the mainstream. And the alternative comics were saying, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to push against that. Right. So they were they were, it was punk. It was pushing against the establishment. OK. I'm saying woke is the establishment. Yeah. It's not. It's it is absolutely not pushing against the establishment to be a woke comic. Because you, you, there's no risk there. It's it, anything that is avant-garde or is pushing the arts forward has to be has to have some sense of personal risk about it, right? If you're going to win the awards and get all the jobs and get on TV for saying these things, that's not um, punk. This that is, is that is the establishment. Exactly, and this is why I bring this up because my sense, having played your night a couple of times, mm. is that the people in the comedy world who are now trying to do what you are doing, which is to introduce a different type of comedy, to yeah. allow people the space to be creative, to try things, to be wrong, to yeah. cross the line. You know, th that seems to be, to me, the new punk in the comedy. It absolutely is. That, and my sense is that what you've created and why I'm so pleased to have been involved with it and why we wanted to have you back on the show is that this is the start of a new movement in comedy. Yeah, it's a new alternative comedy movement. And, and the, the reactionaries on the identitarian left will push back and say, what you are doing is just trying to rehabilitate the old Bernard Manning style of comic. Mm. I've been told you're, this is a racist comedy night. We haven't had a single racist act. I wouldn't be interested. I'm not going to put a racist on stage just to spout racism. It's not funny or interesting artistically, okay? Uh, what we're saying is we're, we're cultivating, cultivating an audience that, that understand that when a comic talks about race, they're not necessarily being racist. Mm. It is to resist this kind of literal-minded, uh, degraded view of stand-up comedy. <laughs> people who don't know what comedy is, uh, people who don't know that you're playing with ideas. Comics are often teasing those parameters of what is acceptable and what is not. And by, by delving into those areas, uh, you are, uh, they remind us of why we believe the things we believe. Yeah? And, and, and sometimes shock is a really powerful comedic tool. But if I'm sitting there in, a, in an audience and I'm, I hear some stuff that is potentially treading that line, you know, towing that line of what is acceptable, if my first instinct is, oh, it's obviously a bigot, I'm going to storm out or whatever, then, then I consider that really, uh, uh, it's a form of philistinism. What, I, what, what our audiences should be learning about comedy is that, oh, yeah, well, why is that person doing this? What are they trying to achieve there? And, and maybe it's a bit more satirically interesting than you think. So I think our audience, the ones that we have now that come back month after month, are smart uh, and they get what's going on. They're good people. They're not, not these alt-right <laughs> sort of white nationalists, which is what they've been accused of being. Um, and that's the way I think comedy should go. And this is new. It's exciting. Uh, it's pushing back against the establishment. And I, I, I hope that it'll catch on. Where do you think it is going to go before Sarah Francis? What, 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 do you, what do you see looking forward? Uh, well, it's difficult because I think the people who oppose what we're doing uh, will slur, will use the slurs, the usual technique, and they'll, they'll call us alt-right and they do all of that. And they've all been, all, already been doing it because once you associate someone with that label, 
It means you don't have to talk to them anymore. I'm not interested, uh, politically, I'm not interested in sitting down and debating and talking to a fascist, right? Because that's like, that's like trying to tell a, a religious person that God doesn't exist, okay? There's no, there's no point. You're dealing with someone who is not being reasonable. They're not capable of debate. If you surrender reason, you are no longer capable of debate, which, by the way, is the major problem of the identitarian left. They have no reason. Therefore, debating them is pointless because they're zealots. It's a cult. Mm. So it's, it's, it, it, it gets very, very... I mean, I'll, I try my best. I do. Uh, but, but you hit a brick wall again and again. Um, Sorry, what the hell was I talking about? Um, <laughs> I talk about the, um, the night and... Yeah, yeah. Where, where do you see it going? In terms okay, of... well, I think what will happen is, I think what will happen is uh, more and more the identitarian left will double down and say this is uh, pandering to the far right or you're useful idiots for the far right or what, etc. Um, and they will um, ultimately try and destroy it in that way. Um, I'm not talking about just my night. I think I'm talking generally, more generally about anyone who tries to react against the woke establishment form of comedy. So that would be any comic who, in, it's nothing to do with me actually, it's any comic who individually tries to do that. You know, they'll make sure they don't get booked. They'll, I mean, we've had comics had their employers contacted because of things they've said on stage. And all of this is, is based on a misunderstanding of comedy. Francis, I know, you've been, I know I've been asking questions. Let me just finish this line You're of totally thought. dominating. Yeah, yeah you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm you're being marginalised. Yeah, right? I am. Yeah. I've been oppressed and marginalised by a Russian. Yeah. Russian <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I, I, will, I will be quiet for a while, but I just want to finish this line of questioning because yeah. what, what I also see, though, is let's quickly talk about what happened with me yeah, refusing to sign the SOAS contract. Which the behavioural agreement form. The behavioural agreement yeah. form. For anyone who doesn't know, I was invited to do a gig. I turned down the contract uh, because the contract they offered me uh, required me to not do any like of the 12 isms. It said that you couldn't cr criticise religion. You couldn't cr criticise atheists because, you know, there's a marginalised groups that really need protecting. And they said that all jokes have to be respectful and kind, right? So I turned it down, it went viral. And here's the reason I bring it up. My sense is very strongly that the mood in the country, in the public at large, is very much with what we are doing. Yeah. So when you talk about this identitarian left being opposed to it, I hear that, I understand that. But I think you may be exaggerating the threat because I think the vast majority of the public, actually, as the story with me shows, are totally on side. But this is the problem because actually it is a minority, but mm. it's a very vocal minority, yeah. and it's the minority with the clout. Okay, so these are the people who are active online. I mean, most people don't give a shit about this stuff, and they don't go chasing people online and harassing them. But the ones that make a noise really do, and they mm. can damage your livelihood. Mm. They they can. They have that that power. So I totally agree with you. It's not, it, it's not many people, but it's you know it would be the same. It's the same as uh, Silicon Valley and the tech giants, right? They have an unbelievable amount of power about public discourse. Mm. You know, the, the, the internet and the social media is the de facto public square now. But you have 20 or 30 people in an office in Silicon Valley who all have identical political leanings, uh, controlling uh, what is acceptable and what is not. I mean, Twitter called it healthy conversation. They have a thing called the Trust and Safety Council. How could they have come up with anything more scary as a title than that? A patron have a Trust and Safety Council. This is, this is scary Stalinist stuff. Um, and they control, and they, they are seeking to control, and they are doubling down, and they are kicking people off their platforms who don't ideologically uh, follow their, toe their line. We know that now. I mean, it's, it's now become nakedly uh, obvious. And people can say that's a conspiracy theory. No, but the evidence is in now, I'm afraid. Um, and and th that's the problem, is that small numbers of people with the power. Mm. That's why you need to punch up at those people. And I think you're right that, that most people see this as just bullshit. They won't even know what it means, really, a lot of this stuff, what woke stuff means. Uh, but you wouldn't know that by looking on social media or the media, generally, would you? Or the BBC. 
you know? Francis, yep. all, all the questions from now on are from you. No, it's all right, mate. You carry on. I'm going to get myself a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't even be here. Really, <laughs> yeah, really. exactly. In fact, I should have made you sign a behavioural agreement form at the yeah. start to let me but speak. Can I just say on that, on the behavioural agreement form, mm. I mean, um, a lot of the arguments I always hear back about this is, uh, yeah, but they're within their rights to to have a night and say what sort of acts they want. I and, agree. And, and I agree with that too. So do I. But so what I. they're not, but then if they do that, everyone else has the right to take the piss mm. and criticise and say this isn't what comedy is about. Yeah. And what, you know, that's called free speech. Mm -hmm. We both get to do it. I get this all the time. Like whenever I criticise someone who's attacking free speech or something, all the time people say, oh, clearly, what about their free speech, eh? What about, well, I'm not shutting them down. Mm. I'm criticising them or ridiculing them. Mm. That's allowed. That's how, it, that's how it works. This stupid myth that, that to criticise is, is, is damaging someone's free speech is incredible. But they do have a lot of power, these people, and we saw that in particular. And the thing that startled me was how they went after The Simpsons, in particular, the yeah. character of a poo, yeah. and saying, you know, this is racist and, you know, and it's disgraceful. He shouldn't be allowed to be on the show. Right. But the fascinating thing with a poo is if you take the character, look at the character of Ralph Wiggum. Yeah. Now, Ralph Wiggum is essentially, and I'm a former teacher, uh, Ralph Wiggum is a child with learning difficulties. Yeah. He's a child who, back then, you would have said is slow. Now, yeah. you would say has global learning delay. It's quite obvious that this, you know, that he has problems and difficulties with his learning. Yeah. Ralph Wiggum is also probably the funniest character in the show. So, yeah. if you were going to target Ralph, if you're going to target a poo, you're going to target Ralph Wiggum. If you're going to target Ralph Wiggum, you're also going to say about Mr. Burns. He's a very old man, and we're laughing at a man who has osteoporosis. It will never end. It's also that that is a show that is comprised of stereotypes. That's a, <laughs> yeah. And and what's funny about that is it's. The, this is an excellent example of that literal-minded interpretation that I'm talking about. Uh, Apu is a stereotype. Yes, of course he is. That's the joke. And it's actually the opposite of what they think it is. It's not reinforcing a negative, pernicious stereotype. It's, it's mocking the fact that we have them. And it's, it's, it's that kind of literal-minded, it's inability to understand satire or comedy. You know what? I think we should introduce comedy classes into schools <laughs> right? so that people understand what comedy is and that it's not literally the, the, the actual truth, right? And that's, but this is also another good example of how they do have clout because guess what? Apu is going. He's gone, right? If it were the case that this is just something that I'm sort of just um, making up, that there's no real issue here, right? Why is that? Why has that happened? Why is Kevin Hart no longer hosting the Oscars? Why is this stuff going on? No, they have clout. Real, real serious power. And it's also interesting as well. Like we've talked about Ralph, and then, but it, the they, the way they seem to attack it is talk about marginalised groups. But yeah. actually, Bumblebee Man is still yeah. in The Simpsons. And Bumblebee Man, I mean, I'm half Latino. I love Bumblebee Man, but yeah. all he really says is the words, I, Dios mio, in a really over-the-top Mexican yeah, yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you have a president, you know, saying that, you know, some immigrants from Mexico coming in are rapists. Yeah. They're actually far more racist to Mexicans and Latinos than they are to Asian people. Because it's selective outrage, isn't it? And, I, 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 and it's to do with intersectionality, you know, the, the, where, do, where do you lie on the grievance spectrum? And is it worth defending you? And, and it's, uh, it's incredibly hypocritical as a, as a movement. Um, so, but that's a very good example. Yeah, uh, I'm glad they're not going after Bumblebee Man. That's the, you know, although it will get there eventually. You know, they'll, they'll come for everyone. No one cares about <laughs> Latinos, man. Yeah, you have to get over that. <laughs> <laughs> no one cares. But, but actually... <laughs> what a statement. Yeah, it is. Actually, Russians care. Our Venezuela and Russia have a very close political alliance. But anyway, but that's something that I wanted to touch on. Like, I'm half Venezuelan. People make jokes. I bring up every episode, right? But the left's ignorance and unwillingness to address what is happening in Venezuela... Yeah. I find uh, enraging, to be honest with you, because it's a humanitarian catastrophe. Yet, 
uh, Corbyn comes out, says how brilliant Venezuela is in 2012, everybody should be like Venezuela. Because they can't criticise their own side. They can't, well, they can't admit when socialism goes wrong. <laughs> right? And I don't understand this. It's, it's, this is why, I mean, I always get bracketed as, as right wing uh, because I critique the left so often. But of course I critique the left because I'm on the left and I want it to improve and I want it to stop fucking up. Uh, so that's why I do it. But they, they, they brook no critique at all. They're not having it. So uh, everyone, everything's got to be perfect. But this is because of the leftist mindset that believes in a utopian world. Mm. You know, that's what they, they believe. They believe that if they can control language, if they control the words that you can say, they will uh, realise this utopia. It's not going to happen. You're not going to eliminate homophobia just by uh, saying that people can't say puffter anymore. That's not how it works. But they think that. They think you'll never eliminate it, by the way. Um, but what you do is you just negotiate and you find ways through and you challenge it. That's what you do, but you, you don't, you, it's to do with the mindset. That's why they won't crit criticize, that's why Corbyn's a saint. You know, that's why they've got their chant, you know, about him, it's, it's, it's cultish. Well, let me ask you, before I ask this question, by the way, if you're wondering why Francis keeps mentioning that he's from Venezuela, it's because he wants you to send them food. <laughs> yes. Just send food to his house, please. And money. Please. And money. And money. <laughs> no, just don't. Fuck the food, money. Just send me money. Yeah, yeah. Not Venezuelan money, because that's worth it. <laughs> World of Warcraft money is actually worth more than the Venezuelan currency. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, it is yeah. indeed. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that is a crisis. Socialism. <laughs> Socialism in action, everybody. Um, so here's the thing that I wanted to ask you, because when you talk about you criticize the identitarian left and you say you're on the left, and yet if I go on the internet and I put the, the words Andrew Doyle, it would be right-wing, reactionary, blah, 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 right yeah, to the spike, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So when you say that you are on the left, right, what do you mean by that? Okay, so I'm, I'm glad you raised this because uh, only yesterday somebody posted a thing on Facebook calling me a, uh, it was a podcast, they called me far-right extremist, a far-right extremist. Um, a friend of mine, because I, I get, because friends send me this stuff. It's almost <laughs> like they, they want me to, and he sent it to me and said, "Listen to this. It's really funny." And it's, it's uh, you know what? I listened to the first time. It's just a couple of kids, right? It's two, it's two kids. They, they're not. They don't know much about politics. I was probably the same at their age. You know, mm. thought I knew everything, but actually didn't know anything. Mm. And they're, 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 I, I turned off at, at the point where it's like, <laughs> their, their critique of my politics is basically to read out the headlines of my uh, articles and just guess what they might be saying. You know, I, I get this all the time with Spike. You know, I had an argument on Twitter where someone was saying, uh, I can't believe you've written another right-wing article or whatever. And I said, okay, specifically, what argument do you have issue with in, in that? And he replied, I promise you, he replied, I haven't read it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna read an article in Spiked. So it's like, what? okay, what's the point? Most of the arguments I have with people online are people who have just imagined what I believe, yeah. right? I can't do that. I can't defend a position I don't hold mm. simply because you as my opponent imagine I hold that position. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why I'm getting tired of it. Like there's no point in me debating and trying to defend something I don't believe. I can only defend what I actually believe. It's right. a futile debate. So, so let's so bring back what, what makes, when you talk about being right. left-wing, okay, so let's, let's, what, let's, what does that mean? Okay, so if you were to write down my core beliefs, I suppose, mm -hmm. um, then, you, then you would ask, the, then, and, and, and you would try and define objectively what that is. It would, I would say, be uh, a leftist. So let's, con so I'll go through them if you want. Okay, yeah, so yeah. I'm, go for so it. I'm, 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 I'm for democracy. 
I'm for equality, I'm for liberty, right? Classic so, lefty always right, displaying virtue. Right, okay, okay. Yeah, there we go. Um, I'm really vain and arrogant. No, anyway, so, um, no, I, believe, I believe that dem democracy is an imperfect system, um, but it's the best that we could ever hope to get, right? It's an imperfect world, yeah. right? So I think we, we so that's why I, I, I am outraged at the idea that Parliament are effectively trying to thwart the, uh, the, the referendum because it is anti-democratic. So anyway, uh, so I'm for, I'm for democracy. I believe in... Um, uh, I believe in the free market, but I also think that uh, there should be a degree of wealth redistribution uh, affected through proportionate taxation. I think that, so I, I see uh, socialism in the sort of the Joseph Schumpeter conception of socialism as being a corrective to capitalism, as being like to curb the worst excesses of capitalism. So by all means, you've got your ambition, you know, you can get richer, uh, you know, all of that stuff. But there comes a point where the, 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 the distinction is so egregious. You know, there are people with billions and billions and billions of pounds and they should be taxed more, I think. So that, that to me, I think is probably a leftist. I'm probably somewhere between socialism and social liberalism. I, be I believe in the welfare state. Mm -hmm. I believe in uh, national health service. I believe that we should be looking out for vulnerable people in our society and that the state should have a role uh, within that. I believe in standing up against bigotry, racism, homophobia, sexism, whatever, challenging all of that wherever possible. I believe in freedom of speech. I uh, believe in freedom of the press. Um, are these things right-wing? Not to me. No. Right. No. So what's happened? And, and I always mm. say to people, when, when they say, well, you're, you're on the right, I'm also not anti, I'm not nationalist. I don't have a nationalist instinct in my body. I don't, I'm pro-immigration. I believe immigration is essential. I, I'm still trying to, I'm still confused. I've never voted Tory. I voted for Jeremy Corbyn. If I'm a far-right extremist, I'm doing a really bad job. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the worst far-right extremist in the world. But, but no, so uh, whenever I say to people, tell me, tell me what I've said or what I believe that is far-right or far or right-wing, and all they can come up with is what I s know you secretly believe. What you secretly believe is that you're a crypto-fascist, you know, you, 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 you're a secret racist, you're a secret bigot, all this sort of stuff. Well, that's not good enough. This, this, this telepathy you have, your ability to intuit what I actually secretly think, it's not good enough, right? Because guess what? I know my own mind better than you. And I don't lie. I say, well, you know, I, I don't lie in my articles. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I lie to get out of trouble with family and friends. But, <laughs> but in article, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, this is this bad faith interpretation yeah. that is really damaging political discourse. If I write an article expressing my viewpoint and outlining why I think what I think, I'm not being disingenuous. That's what I think. You know, it's so much easier for an opponent to say, yeah, they don't really think that, though. You don't really think that, do you? You think something else. So mm. Then it's a straw man. And that's the way uh, that, that political discourse is going again and again. And I, uh, I find it hugely troubling. And this is why I, I'm, I'm really, I always go on about it, but I'm really insistent that I, I'm a former teacher. I think education is key uh, to our intellectual development as a nation. And I think we need to restore critical thinking into the curriculum. Uh, I, when I taught critical thinking at school, it was like the DOS subject and people weren't really taking it seriously. And I, I think it's key. I think first day, day one, you tell them, you know, if you, if you insult the other person or if you intuit their motive, if you guess what you think, you've lost the argument. It's done. It's over. You've lost. Right. If you sling insults, if you call someone a Nazi, right, if you call someone a Nazi, you better have some evidence for that. That's an extraordinarily horrible thing to call someone if they're not. Right. Reserve the term for people who are. Uh, and People like <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, just, so I'm confused, and maybe you can help me here. Maybe you can explain to me how any of these principles I've outlined are in any way right wing. If they are fine. But does have the goalposts moved that much? Really? I, I tell you what is one thing that people could attach to you where you could perceive to be right wing. Okay. And it's the it's the absolute ignorance of this. It's being pro Brexit, mm. and that to certain people they will yep. go. Well, he's obviously against immigration. He hates foreigners. 
therefore he is right-wing, a.k.a. Nazi. Yeah, because, because people bought into this narrative that the Brexit vote was was basically a yes, no, are you racist vote. <laughs> <laughs> right? and they, 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 they bought into this idea, which was uh, irresponsibly uh, perpetuated by the media. Mm. And you had this thing where, you know, you know, after the Brexit vote, then you had this, um, this uh, there were more hate crimes were, were reported. And um, even friends of mine said they'd heard some idiots in comedy clubs shouting out these overtly bigoted things. And they connected this. That people are bought into this fantasy that we live in a really bigoted country. We don't. We live in one of the most tolerant countries in the world, right? Mm. There have always been a small minority of absolute scum, idiots, racists, all the rest of it. And maybe it's true that a few of them felt emboldened after the vote. But the reason for that will be that when you have the media for six months pushing the idea that there are 17.4 million racists in the country, suddenly you feel validated, right? There aren't, though. There just aren't. But, but that, if, if people have been emboldened, that's why. It's, it's not because there were 17.4 million racists, right? We know from the Ashcroft polls after the, after the Brexit vote that the top reason that people voted for Brexit was the principle of sovereignty, that the laws that govern our country should be made in our country, okay? Uh, immigration was important. But ever so, anyway, we haven't been able to have a sensible uh, discussion about immigration since Enoch Powell's Rivers of Blood speech. I mean, one of the major, uh, uh, I mean, it was so wrong-headed in many ways, but, but one of the major, the legacy of that is we haven't been able to have a conversation about it. So we now have this assumption that if you, if you want to have, a, if you have legitimate concerns about immigration, you're, you're a racist. And people jump to that and they throw that word out there. Mm. Um, the other reason with, with Brexit, I mean, I cannot reconcile being on the left and being a socialist with voting in favour of this massive pro-corporate bureaucratic, undemocratic bloc that has um, a big business uh, lobbying, relentlessly lobbying, uh, in order to uh, have extra regulations, more regulations. And the reason for that being that it, it pushes out the smaller businesses who can't compete. We, have, we, we only learned about their negotiations over TTIP because, the, because, the, because it was leaked, right? Because everything is backdoor with them Every, and, and, and they're unaccountable. Right. The European Commission. We can't vote those people out in the European Commission. We can't do it. There was a really good article on the on the BBC about the, the, the extent to which laws and regulations in this country come from Brussels. Right. Because people say it's a myth. Well, what are these laws? What are these laws that are not invented here? Well, the BBC I mean, did a really interesting study and it's really difficult to pinpoint. But it's anywhere between 11 and 63 percent of our laws. So let's go down the middle. And let's say it's like 35 percent of our laws and regulations originate in Brussels. That's not a democratic system, is it? Particularly if you can't vote them out. So, so the, I, cannot, I cannot understand, you know, if you think about the major players in Brussels, so you've got Juncker, Barnier, Verhofstadt, you know, um, Tusk. These are all centre-right politicians. When you've got leftists, supposed socialists in our country, cheering on these people, saying that these are the bastions of freedom, you're, that's, that's like cheering on Cameron or cheering on Thatcher. It doesn't make any sense. You know, why do we not, um, you know, Cameron pushed this, the, Cameron was the one who wanted us to remain in the, this is a, let's, let's call it what it is, the EU is a right-wing establishment, right-wing pro-corporate establishment, and if you're, if you're happy voting for that, good for you, but I, I, I do not know how you can call yourself left-wing by doing so. Hmm. And it, but it's also, it goes back, and it touches back when we go to education, and to me, it's an intellectual laziness. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and we see it with the podcast. People go to me, oh, your podcast is right wing. I go, have you listened to it? No. No, no, exactly. People don't know what right and left wing means anymore. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. It's now, just an insult, I think. It's, right it, it doesn't mean any, yeah, exactly. I think it, this, is, this is where we come back to the power of woke culture. What they have successfully done is to convince people that to be on the left means that you are, you are basically using the right words and are pro, you know, and diversity and all that sort of stuff. And to be on the right, uh, you're, you're raising concerns about immigration or you're saying, no, I'm not going to use uh, gen new gender pronouns or whatever. That's not right and left. 
Okay, and and that's I think that's the problem is that they've successfully changed the meaning of right and left, and that's why you can suddenly call me right wing, even though my values don't seem to match that description. Let me ask you this. I hope you don't mind me asking. We had you on the show. You were one of our first guests, and we, that's were, right, yeah. we, you, we were very happy to have you on. Uh, and I remember you were. Uh, how can I put it? You were less on edge then than you are now. Then you do see... I seem more on edge? Yes, you do. Wow. And okay, I, yeah, and I wonder whether you, you're feeling the pressure of people coming after you with Jonathan Pye and everything you're doing there and unleash you. You're having people attack you more and therefore you feel like you have to defend yourself more. Yeah, probably. I, I think I've, I, I, I'm not as active on Twitter as I used to be because most times I go on, I'm, I'm getting someone calling me a Nazi or alt-right or some, some nonsense like that. Yeah. And um, it's so far off. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not just not a Nazi. I'm, I'm anti that. I oppose that mm. with every fibre of my being. So it's bizarre that you, 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 get, you get called that. You know, it's really weird. And people, people, largely they say it's because of spiked, and they say spiked is an alt-right site. Alt-right means white nationalist. Mm. That's what it means. You will never find a racist statement on a, on a spiked article because just editorially they wouldn't have it. It's not a race. It's an anti-racist. Also, by the way, of all the publications, spiked has been the one that's been most vocally uh, opponent, uh, has opposed the alt-right more than anyone else, more consistently than anyone else, has consistently opposed Donald Trump, has no, no, no time for this. So this is the problem, is the, the misrepresentation, and it's people who don't read. They don't read the things they're criticising. So let's talk about that. Because so, so, I should, so just to say, yeah. I, if I seem on edge and everything, maybe it's just that this week I've had a lot of this. A lot yeah, this, this yeah. These people calling me far-right extremists and stuff. A very close friend of mine shouting at me, calling me a Nazi in a, in a, in a public place. And you just think, do you, you know, at what point? I mean, do you, do you really believe that about me? Do you, do you really believe I'm, I'm, I'm that evil? That's quite uh, upsetting. It's distressing. I agree. So this is what I was going to ask to come back to an issue of principle. And we talked the first time you were here, and then we talked to Brendan O'Neill, who the, who's the editor of Spiked, yeah. about the restrictions around libel and yeah. smearing people and things like that. And, you know, Brendan said, oh, I'm absolutist. We don't need libel laws. We don't need this. And, you know, after someone like with you and with me, people calling you a Nazi because you, you refuse to sign a behavioral agreement contract or whatever, you kind of go, yeah, maybe we do need some libel laws. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know where I fully stand on the line. I think we do. I think, I think uh, libel laws make some sort of sense to me because, of course, if you are saying something that is factually wrong about someone in order to uh, damage their career, mm. then, uh, well, or maybe what it should be is that you pursue that through civil means mm. and that, you, you know, it's a legal issue in that way. You take out a civil lawsuit and that rather than get the state involved. To be honest, I don't know where I stand on that entirely. I need to give it more thought before I come up with, mm. with what I think. But I would say... Yeah, I mean, people who are calling me far-right extremists, they're, they're lucky I'm not litigious, yeah. you know, because they'd have to demonstrate that and, and they won't be able to because it's not true. But it's also as well the, the, the rise of social media where everybody has access to a voice, everybody can post whatever it is that they yeah. want, whereas before, you know, I mean, the, the, the closest that we had to criticising people was points of view. Yeah, <laughs> with Anne Robinson. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, which was a great programme. I loved it, yeah. Yeah. Bring it back. Yeah. I mean, you know, you had to write your letter, you had to post it, yeah, and you yeah. had to wait to see if you made it through. Whereas now, you just go online, bam, Nazi, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad, isn't it? Um, but then there's a lot of good things about social media as well. You know, Definitely. we shouldn't take... I mean, I wish I could get off it in a way. I'm not... I, I sort of rely on it for work, you know? So much of my, my job is on, is on the internet now. So, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, 
it, people have always had these views and, and have always had these um, limited understandings of politics and, and uh, been very opinionated. It's, it's amazing like when people are opinionated but they don't know what they're talking about. That's what you're seeing when you see this online. Um, and this uh, inability to listen or to even accept that they might be wrong about something. People, because it becomes about an ego thing, doesn't it? When you're online and you're having an argument with someone, there's an awareness that everyone can mm. watch it. And then it becomes about scoring points. It's about locking horns. It's a very primal uh, thing. You don't want to be shown up. You don't want to lose the argument. You don't want to, you don't want to at, any, at any point say, oh, actually, you might have a point about that because that's perceived as weakness and, and, and you might look like a, a, the weaker party in that, in that, in that mm. fight. Um, and that's and that's why sometimes online, when people are really wanting picking a fight, I'll say, look, let's DM, let's let's do this over, because then the ego, because I would be at risk as well. You know, I, I'm I'm you know I'm not bereft of an ego. I, I'm I, I am aware that in those kind of public forums, even in a debate sit format, I'm aware that I'm also trying to protect my ego, and that's not helpful for debate. And you've got to be aware of it, and you've got to counter it. And I don't think on online, that's, that's why online debates are useless. Yeah, but also television debates are yeah, useless. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because I, I find question time unwatchable. A lot of them, it just descends well, into shouting. Well, what, I mean, I did a, um, a show two days ago, Ian Dale's show on LBC. Yeah, I've been on that as yeah. well, yeah. Yeah, and it's called Cross Question. Yeah. And, and what was great, so there was me, Giles Fraser, um, uh, Tom, oh, I shouldn't know his name, Tom, Conservative MP. Oh, it's terrible, he's really nice as well. Um, <laughs> and um, James... And I can't remember his surname either, but he was a part of the People's Vote. Um, re what was lovely, though, there was a really nice bunch on that panel. I mean, I couldn't disagree with James more about the Brexit vote. And Tom uh, believes in uh, pushing through Theresa May's uh, checkers deal, which I don't. And, you know, we all had different views. We went out for a drink afterwards. It was really great. And we were able to talk about this stuff without anyone getting mm. insulted and getting on. And it was really refreshing. It's like this is what it should be. Um, you know, I can say I'm pro-Brexit without someone just calling me a racist. Brilliant. That that's a real step forward, mm. and I would love that to be the case that we could um, that we could have that in in or restore that to political discourse generally. But we we can't while people are uh, slaves to this cultish worldview, and while they are buying into the fantasy of uh, the rise of um, neo Nazism within Britain, uh, and they think that that Nazis are everywhere, and they and they just assume that you have these malevolent intentions. We won't be able to. That's why the culture war is actually really important, because we can't make any other gains politically, socially, economically until this stuff is sorted out. Because no one's listening to each other anymore; they're just insulting each other. It comes to a point where, to me, a debate is where two people discuss something, and then they go away and they'll have a think about it. Yeah, that's what it should be. Or, or to be open to the possibility that you're wrong. Mm. Yeah. Right. And the, and this thing about, uh, you know. I mean, my, I'd say my core principles have always been consistent, but my views on various things have uh, been refined and nuanced and changed on the basis of talking to people and hearing other views, right? And that's, all, that's how it should be. If you, yeah. if you go into an argument with the belief that your opponent is evil, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, is, is, it has, a, has a really dark, sinister, evil agenda, secret agenda, some clandestine, uh, Machiavellian uh, worldview, what what can you learn from that person? Nothing, because you've already put up the the, the brick wall. Nothing's going to happen, and 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 your your views will become more entrenched, mm. and that's where you get that's where you get this cultish uh, mindset. It just reminds you of George W. Bush when he said, "If God is on our side, how can we be wrong?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's religious. Um, I'm I'm always very wary of of the irrational, you know. Um, and I'm wary of it in myself as well, you know, that I, I, we all have that capacity. Mm. And I, that's why I think it's about education. 
I think once we, once we restore that in schools, then, then things will slowly change. But it's going to take a while. I think it'll get worse before it gets better. Mm. I think also the, the understanding of the importance of truth yeah. over feelings and over mood and over whatever the, 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 social, the socially acceptable thing is to yeah. think and to know uh, is important. Because, you know, like for growing up in the Soviet Union, I grew up in a society which was maintained yeah. by not allowing people to speak the truth yeah. because the system was so flawed, it was so corrupt, it was so unfounded uh, in the way that it was designed that one person speaking the truth about it in public was enough to collapse it, Yeah. right? And what I sense with this, with this woke ideology and, and the institutions that they've created is they have to suppress the truth or they feel like they, d they have to suppress the truth because someone telling the truth in public about their system and about their way of thinking would collapse the system because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's not logically sound, it's not coherent, and it's not based on the facts. Whether it's the gender pay gap, whether it's, it's institutional racism, all yeah. of the stuff, the, the narrative is one thing and the truth is something completely different. They, they can't afford to, uh, to surrender that high ground, can they? I mean, the gender pay gap's a good example. I mean, when we did the video about it for Jonathan Pye, and so many angry critiques of that, but nobody actually engaging with any of the arguments. Mm. That never happens, you know? And, and, and that's, um, it's a shame, you know? Because I'd be willing to have that debate. Well, uh, since you know? we had you on and you talked about that, we've had dozens of economists and other yeah. experts come and basically explain that it's like, 90% nothing to do with discrimination. It's yeah. about people's choices. It's about the careers they choose. Yeah, but you're, those are facts now. Yeah. You see, this is the yeah. And if the facts are inconvenient, then the, the, the tendency seems to be to just avoid them or not debate them or just dismiss the opponents. Uh, yeah. you know? I mean, it's, because the ideology of uh, that, I mean, the woke ideology is, is self-discrediting. It is internally incoherent. You know, if you say that um, gender is a social construct, uh, except for trans people who are born with a, a male brain or female brain. Mm. Well, that's a biological essentialist position, right? So you can't have both. You can't have both. So uh, there's, there is this, this problem that as an ideology, it is messed up. It doesn't work and mm. it will collapse. Mm. But it just depends when it's going to collapse. And, it, and that's why they're, they're putting up all these barricades and that's why they attack people so vehemently. That's why they push for censorship. Mm. That's why they oppose free speech because they know that with speech, debate, and discussion, bad ideas fall. Yes. And they're ba they're bad they're, they've got one of, one of the worst ideas in the world. And that, will, that will crumble under scrutiny. So they have to suppress the debate. Well, the only people who fear truth are people who are peddling lies. Yeah. Well, it's either lies, uh, which I suspect might be the case with some people, but I also think people do genuinely believe it. Mm. In the way that, you know, the, 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 the people who worship Baal or whatever believe in that. <laughs> you know, they, 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 they do. Yeah. I, I don't think it's insincere in a lot of the cases. Well, I'm not saying yeah. it's insincere. I'm I, just saying I, they've bought a lie. They've bought, they've bought a lie. Yeah, they have, yeah. And um, so I don't know how we do it. I don't know how we uh, move beyond it uh, other than keep, keep challenging as, as far as you can and accept that those in power will try and stop you. If you were going to make predictions, I know it's always difficult to make predictions, but why not? We're at this. This is. Yeah. I always get it wrong though, <laughs> right? when yeah. I guess. You know. You know, this we're at the very beginning of January. It's two thousand and nineteen. Yeah. Where do you think this is going to go over the coming year? I, so I think every new year, I think, oh well, there's been so many ridiculous stories <laughs> in the present. So much, you know. This isn't political correctness, by the way. That I think one of the reasons why we're not advancing this debate and why they keep doubling down. It's because, of course, back in the 90s, right, you had these stupid bullshit stories like Winterval. Oh, 
you know, they're, they're trying to ban Christmas now, uh, which wasn't the case. It was Birmingham City Council who had come up with this phrase, Winterval, to encapsulate all the various festive uh, traditions, right? That no, no one's trying to ban Christmas or saying, but that's the way it was reported by reactionary right-wing tabloids. Mm. Then you had the Bar Bar Rainbow Sheep. Do you remember that one? That was front page of the Express. You're no longer allowed to say black in nursery schools. This nursery school's doing... All it was, was that this nursery teacher was teaching kids about the colours of the rainbow and had changed the song in order to do so. It was nothing to do with... Right. So, therefore, you had all this stuff and all these awful people saying, oh, political correctness has gone mad, and you had all this kind of reactionary, you know, kind of Richard Littlejohn thing, right? And that's why, when we point out that things are going too far now, the, the common response is, oh, you're just part of this PC gone mad brigade. You're, you, they, they are comparing us to Richard Littlejohn. This is not political correctness. This is something far more sinister, right? Political correctness is a good idea. Political correctness is about uh, the, the social discourse, negotiating the social discourse and try, trying to um, have a mutually agreed way that we talk to each other in public. Politeness, etiquette, that's what it is, which I'm all for, right? Uh, I'm not all for locking people away uh, for what they say if they breach those, those terms, but I think we do have a social contract, don't we? Um, but that's not what's going on now. This isn't political correctness. I don't use that term, but you'll know if you, if you read my articles, I don't, I don't attack political correctness because I don't see this woke movement as political correctness. Mm. And that's the problem. With, that's why things aren't changing, because in the mindset of the woke community, we are just the Richard Littlejohns. We're the same. It's the same fight. It's not. It's a whole new battle. And, the, and, and we need a new language for it. And actually, in that sense, I'd rather like the anti-authoritarians on my side to, to uh, stop using that phrase political correctness, because mm. I think it, it, it muddies the waters, it's unhelpful. So I think in terms of the prediction, uh, until we find the new lexicon to deal with this phenomenon, whatever it is, whatever we want to call it, this new dogmatism, political dogmatism maybe, I don't know, um, then, then we'll get nowhere and people will keep doubling down uh, and they'll keep using every strategy they can uh, to, to push this ideology and I think it'll get a lot worse but because, like you say, most people recognise this for the bullshit that it is, most normal people, um, it won't survive. Ultimately, it won't survive, but it'll take a hell of a long time, I think. I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I think you're being pessimistic, honestly. Like, I, I, you have some jokes where you talk about the fact that, if you don't mind me quoting mm -hmm. one of your jokes... You'll uh, mess it up, won't you? Yeah, I would definitely. Will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, about the timing. But then if you tell the joke, it will look even worse. Especially in this form. I mean, this yeah, is not exactly. A, Fun if comment. I do it, I'll nail it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. what was the joke? Which one? Uh, it's the joke about how the term Nazi has a very specific mini meaning. Yeah. Right? And you talk about it's combat 18, it's whatever. Yeah. It's mum's net is the punchline, right? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So while my, my situation was happening with this behavioral agreement contract, yeah. a friend of mine went on the mum's net radical feminist forum. Uh, that's already funny. Right. Mm -hmm. And sent me a screenshot of what they were discussing. Yeah. And the radical feminists on mum's net were all on my side. Right, okay, there you go. So but, if if they're on our side, then I really, my sense is there's a sliver I, of this woke mentality somewhere that's got power. But the rest of society is just waiting for people like us to stand up and overturn it. Maybe. I wouldn't use mum's net as a gauge for the future. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I mean, people, you know, most people, and people... This is the other thing, like so many, I mean, the, the thing about the comedy establishment is they've all got, they, they're they thinking in terms of careers and I get that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so they are on board with the woke thing because that's the way the establishment's pushing it. But, you know, when you talk to comics in private, oh, yeah. they'll oh, yeah. tell you, yeah, it's, it's bullshit, isn't it? They know it, yeah. uh, most of them do anyway. Yeah. And um, But they do it when they're a bit drunk or they're confiding in you that, you know, they, mm. they, they, they wouldn't tweet about it in the way that I do. And mm. they, um, yeah. 
And, and part of the reason I do is because, you know, I don't feel like I've got anything to lose in that score anymore. I was never going to uh, be televisual, or, you know. <laughs> so I just sort of, I just sort of say what I think now. And also I think it's more, it's really liberating, isn't it, just to be honest. Yeah. Oh, like, massively. It, it, like, I, I really feel for all those people who, who do sort of have these opinions, like the people who do oppose this creeping authoritarianism mm. and they want to say more about it, but they know that if they do, they're, they're, they're scuffering their chances of a, of a lucrative career. I get that. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult. But surely isn't that the antithesis of what comedy should be? You think about yeah, sure. the great comedians. They're the ones who call out what they perceive to be, the, you know, the inaccuracies of falsehoods in society. Yeah, yeah. They're the ones we fall in love with. They're the ones that we quote endlessly. There's a reason why people love Bill Hicks. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he wouldn't do so well today, would he? No. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, so I, I'm more optimistic than you are, but okay. you're right, it's liberating. I mean, last time we talked, I remember you saying you'd come to a point in your career and you just said, I'm not going to be mealy-mouthed about what I think. Yeah. And it's been, what, eight, nine months? And now I'm in that position. I, I've come to that point as well. With yeah. this contract, I was kind of forced into... Yeah, yeah, they forced your hand, didn't they? They forced my hand. Yeah. Uh, because I, it went viral without any intention on my part. Yeah. But once it happened... Oh, but then they'll say that you were... Well, I know, I saw the accusation. Yeah, yeah, you'd cynically manipulated yeah, yeah, it. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, it's that thing of they can't bear the idea that someone has sincerely held beliefs that don't match their own. Yeah. <laughs> what an odd... <laughs> what an odd idea. Yeah. And, and the funny thing to me is they just... They think, they think that publicity is generated by you, like, calling up a newspaper and going, yeah. hey, I've got this opinion, put me on TV. Yeah, yeah, I know. And it's like, <laughs> if I could do that, do you not think I would be doing that every day? I'd be having a, a viral story out there every yeah, single yeah. day for the rest of my life. And what they don't seem to get is this story with me had nothing to do with comedy. It was just like the reason it went viral is that 95% of the population look at it and go, I am censoring myself in my own life. Yeah. And I see comedy as just a way of reflecting my own experience. Mm -hmm. and, that, and I think that's why I think this is going to be... a. a well, we'll see a year from now. We'll have you back here. Shall we from come now. back next year? And, and you'll be like, I told you it was going to be Cher Constantine. And I'll be like, yeah, I know. We'll or have might. a new studio. <laughs> we'll yeah. be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we would have been kicked out of this one by then. <laughs> well, it might be all great. It might be all rosy next year. Who knows? Well, that's my sense of it, man. I, th yeah. I, th I genuinely think with what you're doing with Comedy Unleashed, having played it, what, two or three times now, and, um, you know, Francis will be there, and, and you've got a bunch of other great comedians coming. I just sense that the tide's turning. Yeah, I, I, yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I know the clip of you reading out the behavioural mm. agreement form at Comedy Unleashed was online, mm. and um, you hear people jeering at the idea of it. And I've seen that in the press being misinterpreted as, mm. oh, these people are jeering at the idea of being nice to people. Mm. No, they're not. And, 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 <laughs> and you must know they're not. Yeah. Uh, but they're jeering at the concept of trying to please comedy, and you know that's what the joke is. Yeah. But if you're going to willfully misinterpret that to make a political point, then that's that's what we're fighting against, really. I, I, in fact, you, I should urge the people to watch that clip. I think it's really interesting. Mm. What it isn't though is a group of racists saying, "Oh my God, why can't we be racist anymore?" You had that <laughs> accusation, didn't you? That yeah, that, that you obviously want the right to stand yeah. up on stage. I, I don't talk about the person who wrote that story just because I don't want to give them any more publicity. Fair enough. Than, okay. Than, okay. Than they shouldn't get in the first place. But uh, but. But the point, my, the point I'm making to you is, yeah, there were people who came after me, almost exclusively comedians, actually. 
Fascinating, isn't it? Almost yeah. exclusively <laughs> comedians. It's almost like they just did it in order to bring attention to themselves and further their careers. Yeah, stop intuiting motive. <laughs> <laughs> really must That's do entirely that. unlike comedians, though, <laughs> so that would never have happened. But it, but like I say, I just felt like the support from ordinary people for for what happened was so strong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That I feel like. The, it's just wait, the people, ordinary people are just waiting for someone to stand up and there's stick their head above the parapet. There's such a disconnect, isn't there, between yeah. between uh, the, the the people with the power and the and the normal people, and that goes for comedy, goes for politics, right? Yeah. I mean, you, at the moment, we have got uh, our parliament trying to completely thwart the wishes of the electorate. This is insane, you know, and they're, and they're doing it with these seriously Orwellian terms like people's vote. Mm -hmm. Like, we are doing this to be more democratic. We want more <laughs> democracy. So we're going to ignore your referendum, right? Mm -hmm. What is going on? I mean, this is, they don't understand how damaging this is going to be to democracy when, I mean, I don't think Brexit will happen now. And I think, that I, I think there's um, a complete uh, naivety amongst the political class when it comes to this issue. They won't, the public won't forgive this. This is, this is incredible, you know? Parliamentary democracy is a good system, right? It's there as a kind of conduit to, to, for, so that we can make things happen, right? So that the people can make things happen and make their wishes um, be served in a, in a political context, right? What parliamentary democracy isn't is we vote someone in so that they can ignore what we want. And that's what's happening, right? So I don't know, I, th I think the legacy of this, of this Brexit issue is, is going right. to be a big deal. Okay, well, I, I, tried to, I tried to end the show on a positive. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Andrew, I'm, Andrew, I fucked it by Andrew's talking about Brexit. fucked it very hard. So why don't we do the last question? Because we're well, out of time. Uh, well, we are out of time. Well, the last question is, what's the one thing that uh, we're not talking about that we should talk about? But I think you sort of touched upon it with the Brexit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and... What? I'm sorry, it's serious. They're both fucking doing it. <laughs> I know. I was trying to be positive. Well, I could it's do the some... first episode of Trigonometry Season 2. I could do some Brexit and... jokes. <laughs> I could make light of it. We're all fucked. Ha -ha. <laughs> but what do you think? Let, let's, again, dangerous predictions. Right, okay. What do you think, if we don't go through with it, if we don't honour the agreement, Yeah. what do you think is going to happen? Okay. Where do we go? Let, let's try and be light, though. Let's try and be light, okay? <laughs> the, the funny side of this is that it is essentially funny. <laughs> that our democratic representatives <laughs> hate democracy. That's funny. Yeah. That is really funny. That yeah. Is funny. yeah, yeah, that is we, funny. Yeah, right. yeah. And we know that, the, look, the EU has a record at the track record. They, they, they put out these referendums, right? And then they just say, nah, you got the wrong answer. Let's do it again. Right? And they, they did that with Ireland with the, uh, and the Nice and, many and Lisbon. Yeah. Denmark and the Maastricht Treaty and the Greece and the austerity measures. Nah, we'll have the referendum. We'll put on the show that, you know, you, we, you, know, you can have your opinion, little people. You know, we'll have the plebiscite and then we'll just, we'll screw you over. Because we know better. We know best. Working classes, they need to just stick to their place, right? And there is something quite hilarious about that. I also love the amnesia about, oh, it was just an advisory referendum. This is hilarious stuff, right? Um, nobody knew they were voting to leave the single market, right? But what is so funny about this is there's a thing called the internet. And you, can, <laughs> and you can go back and you can look at every major debate in which it was absolutely explicitly clear that we were going to leave the single market. Hey, you know, the, the Wembley Arena, the biggest televised debate with David, David Dimbleby, the first section of that, right, on, on the economy, there was a video outlining what are the repercussions of leaving the single market. And it's there on YouTube. Takes you two minutes, mate. Right? It's a, the, the, this incredible thing. No, no one knew what they were voting for. No one knew. They voted because of something on the side of a bus. Are you, are you kidding me? 
you think people are that stupid? They voted because they saw something on a bus. A bus told me how to vote. What are you doing? Now, you may as well say that people voted Remain because, because Cameron said that ISIS uh, would vote Leave, right? So, it, which he did. He said, he said, and he said it was going to, Brexit would kick off World War Three. These are, this is funny shit, right? ISIS I, would vote Leave. Yes, we said. He Do you said, reckon it, ISIS it, believes in democracy? Yeah. I mean, the, it, is, it is essentially funny, right? And, and we, we have to acknowledge that. The idea that people didn't know, the idea that people didn't know about the single market, that's great. Everyone said it. Cameron, Osborne, everyone on both sides said it. And then saying that the it was advisory. By the way, the government sent out a leaflet. They spent 10 million pounds sending a leaflet to every single house, outlying their argument for remaining in the EU, which was predicated on membership of the, common, of the single market and the customs union, right? And then they say, but you didn't know. You sent out a fucking pamphlet, right? And then you wrote the words, this is your decision. The government will implement what you decide. Ah, oh, but it was advisory. <laughs> really? Was that a typo? <laughs> I mean, All right. this is funny. Yeah. So, so there's, there's, there's loads of room for comedy in this. And we yeah. should, that's what we should be doing in order to try and um, make the changes that we need to make. I mean, this is a seismic change. But people, you know, people are conservative, essentially. Uh, they don't want things to change. And this is a massive change. And... and they come up with all these economic predictions. We're going to be, we're going to crash out. They keep saying that crash. We're crashing out with no deal. It's it's world trade rules, mate. Every, it's fine. You know, you if you know anything about the history of economics, you know that economic predictions are always wrong. Mm -hmm. Bank of yeah. England got it wrong with the uh, their predictions about what would happen after the vote. They got it so wrong they had to apologise. Right. So it's a major opportunity uh, leaving the EU. It's a huge opportunity in terms of world trade. Uh, and uh, the EU is a sinking ship anyway. It's breaking apart. It's going to die. Like we, getting out first is a really is a really good thing to do. But we didn't embrace it as an opportunity. Our government saw it as damage limitation, and that's why they weren't able to negotiate a sufficient deal. They weren't able to do it. You can't negotiate a deal that you don't believe in. The majority of MPs on both sides of the house, on Labour and Tory, are Remainers, and they think they know best, and they will find a way to to thwart. Uh, the will of the people, right? And I hate that phrase, but it is exactly what it is. That's what democracy means. That's what the origin of the word means, right? We've made that they outsourced the decision, but they didn't like the result, and now they're trying to find a way through it with the small print, right? It's funny. All right, let's end the show by telling Andrew that we both voted Remain. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because we're good people. Yeah. You fucking, I fucking knew it. Brilliant. Every time he does that joke, we get like <laughs> hundreds of messages. Tweet, can I, it's a joke. Freaks. Can I call you a Nazi now? Because, yeah, because, yeah. because you disagree with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems to be the, uh, yeah, the default position. An, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, so. Guys, this has been the first episode uh, of our show. You will see that next week when we release our second episode uh, we are going to talk about that being the first episode that's because we didn't know which one was going to be first but this is going to be the first one so ignore all that shit in the other one uh, Andrew uh, Doyle is on Twitter at Andrew Doyle underscore com yeah so go there call him a Nazi he likes that um, <laughs> Join the club. Join the club. <laughs> Everyone else is doing it, right? They might yeah. as well get in. And come to Comedy Unleashed. Absolutely come to Comedy Unleashed. I've been there. Francis is going to be performing there. A few really, really funny people are going to be there over the next few months. It's a great place. It's a great place to meet like-minded people as well. So come along. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. And like I said, I think it's the start of a new thing in comedy. And you'll want to be there. You'll want to tell your grandchildren you were there when it happened. So come along. Uh, thanks very much for coming on the show, Andrew. Thank you. And as always, follow us on, on uh, Twitter, on Facebook, uh, on Instagram. We're going to be talking about stuff that's happening with Patreon and with other ways of supporting the show because that's, that's gone a bit haywire in later episodes or in a separate clip. So keep an eye out for that. Thank you very much for supporting us as always. And we will see you next week. Take care, guys. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks very much.
Before you go, consider joining our exclusive member feed. As a member, you'll get ad-free and extended interviews. Click the membership link in the podcast description or find the exclusive episodes link on your podcast listening app to join us.